the um, bronze silicone. Camera speed. Sound production, take one. my lovely cinephiles i hope you've been having a great week and i hope now that you're listening to this episode it's gotten a little bit better for you it's great to have you back for another episode another i won't say great but another movie <laughs> let's see what updates do i have for you all before i get into the episode i want to start making this a little bit more personal because i feel like I don't know. I can't just jump straight into the point anymore, you know? Like, we have to have some sort of connection. So I want to tell you about what movies I've been enjoying recently and what TV shows I've been enjoying recently. And so actually, yesterday... Well, okay. By the time you're listening to this episode, it was Wednesday. I watched E.T. It was the 40th anniversary of its release date. And I watched it in theaters. I had the entire theater to myself. And it was so nice. A little scary. um, But nonetheless, it's just the reality of America in 2022. Um, But nonetheless, it was very relaxing. I was just like making commentary on the movie, like on Snapchat. And I was just, you know, like making little small comments, but like with the flash on, there was a small fear in my mind that like, maybe I wasn't alone. There was someone that like, I just didn't see in a corner somewhere, but that's just my anxiety talking. So I try to ignore her most times. But it was such a fun experience. I have this just desire to see old movies in the movie theater because movies like The Lost Boys, E.T., um, what was that other one? Oh, Coraline, like all those movies, I have I've never seen in the movie theaters. So I just want to see them like on the big screen and kind of have that experience. Um, raise your hand if you're the same because I don't think I'm alone on that. But um, as for any as for any shows that I've been on to recently, I've literally ended every single show that I was hooked to. I finished The Boys. Um, I obviously finished Stranger Things by now. If I didn't finish Stranger Things by now, I would be mad at myself. So I'm literally on the prowl for new shows to watch. So if you have any suggestions, definitely let me know. Um, But let's go ahead and get into what we're talking about this week. So this Paul Thomas Anderson movie, otherwise known as PTA, (laughs) I recently learned that, has sparked a lot of online controversy. And I genuinely... When I saw the trailer for it, I was in the movie theater, and I was like, oh my gosh, that looks like such a great movie. Like, that's so exciting. Um, It gave, you know, like those indie film, A24 feels to it, and I was like, this looks like it could be a a little vibe. I didn't catch it in movie theaters. Um, I think maybe I would, I just was too busy or something. Um, so I never caught it in movie theaters. I was scouring my TV the other day and I found this movie and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I remember I wanted to see this. So let me sit down, watch it right? And before, actually, I watched it, before I started watching it, I had seen stuff online about it. So the trailer 
from my memory is very deceiving. You think you're going to get this cute little rom-com moment, right? Um, no, that's not the truth. And I've been seeing a lot of videos on it, particularly on TikTok, where people are like, oh, don't go watch this movie. This movie was terrible. Don't see it. All of that, right? And um, there definitely are controversial moments to it, which... Paul Thomas Anderson did not respond to very well, might I add, um, and we'll definitely talk about those later. So I was, I watched this movie knowing what I knew about it. I do wonder how I would have responded to the movie if I hadn't seen everything that I did online first, but of course we'll never know that. <laughs> So, um, without further ado, um, the movie we're talking about this week is Licorice Pizza. Now, this movie did come out in November of 2021, so it's kind of new. It hasn't quite been a year since it's been out yet. So it stars Alana Haim as Alana Kane and Cooper Hoffman as Gary Valentine, and it it's kind of like a true story or like based on true events um from what i've been reading based off of the experience um and additional stories from paul thomas anderson's friend gary goatsman who was a child actor um and started in a few movies and then he eventually started a waterbed company and a pinball arcade so knowing that, which I didn't know that before I watched it, but knowing that, I'm like, okay, interesting. This movie synopsis was written by Nick Reganis, Reganis, on IMDb. It reads, San Fernando Valley, 1973. Disarmed by his fearless confidence and surprising maturity, bored 25-year-old photographer's assistant Alana Kane reluctantly accepts to go out for a drink with sunny 15-year-old child actor Gary Valentine, her unexpected admirer. As one thing leads to another, the platonic soulmates embark on ambitious business ventures trying to find their feet and purpose in a crazy world. But against the backdrop of life's ups and downs, can Gary and Alana remain friends? So right off the bat, 25-year-old friends with a 15-year-old? Yeah, I just, like, me as a 22-year-old, I just can't fathom being friends with anyone younger than 19, quite frankly. Um, so you already, you already just have this feeling, like this, mm, and when the movie starts out, it opens up at, it opens up with Gary at school in line for picture day. And Alana, as a photographer's assistant, is like, you know, passing out a mirror or calm if she wanted, like if anyone needed it. And it's through that that she meets Gary Valentine. Now, it already kind of sets up this idea that Gary is unlike other 15-year-olds in a way where you have boys running around running into Alana and she's like, oh, like cussing them out and stuff, which on the clock, all right. And then Gary is just kind of like standing, waiting patiently, walking as he should. And so you already kind of get this sense of like, okay. And so when she runs into him and she starts having conversations while you have all this madness of like teens just kind of running amok, 
he she's very adamant and keeps reminding him of his age because he's hitting on her and you know she's like you're a kid um i'm 25 like whatever treating him as she should a child but he asks her to go get a drink with him and she shows reluctance she's like "Mm, yeah no i'm okay i'm not gonna go get a drink with you like i'm not gonna meet you at a at some place for dinner like i'm 25 years old some reason though she still decides to do it and that was her downfall that's where she messed up because why why are your boundaries so weak let's let's unpack that um you said no he you said no and he was like okay just just in case this is where i'll be you didn't have to go but you did it anyways Mm, why i just want to see the therapy notes there's not a lot to spoil about this movie per se i mean i guess there is so i'll go ahead and talk about some general things before i give a spoilers warning because i want to give you all that much at least you know give you give you some crumbs to sit with before you watch the movie if you're listening to this and then deciding whether you want to watch the movie i know some of y'all i know how you do it and i am not opposed to that i would do the same thing so um the first thing that i really want to address is the controversy that has been sparked from this movie there's like Uh, just a complete split on the internet in terms of whether people are like justifying this movie or not justifying this movie and it's kind of weird to me because people forget that film is art as well like it's not just entertainment but it's a form of art and so it's kind of like a piece of paint a piece of painting (laughs) it's kind of like an art piece in a museum you have a whole crowd standing around it and somebody finds something problematic with it and is trying to argue as to why it shouldn't be on the wall but it's like that's what this is here for for us to have these kind of discussions and so that leads me into saying what i want to say i believe a movie like this is made to challenge us as viewers knowing what you know are you still able to see the truth of the matter despite how the situation is manipulated so a lot of people have problems like the the main outstanding problem is this age gap this very uncomfortable unconventional illegal age gap and people have said that the film is romanticizing the age gap There's a bunch of movies that show the dangers and dark side of child grooming because, I mean, it is dark and, and ugly and illegal and everything. So people, you know, compare this movie to those movies and saying, like, if you're going to make a statement on something like this, it can't just be something so kind of murky and just on the surface. Like, you need to make forthright statements about it in the movie to show that this is not okay. And I was reading an article a little bit ago that was talking about how all Thomas Anderson's movies aren't very like narrative driven 
but more of character studies. And I've never seen, I think I've maybe only seen one Paul Thomas Anderson movie, but at the time I didn't know that that was his movie. But this is the first one that I've like really sat down, looked at, you know, and consumed kind of analytically. So I talk a little bit further about character studies um, later on. So I'm going to save that conversation. But I do think there's a lot of films that are like that. There's a lot of films that... You know, the protagonist does not always have to be good. The two main characters do not always have to be good. And filmmakers do not have this obligation to be morally correct or to be um, virtuous in any way. And, like, to think that as an artist, no matter what the art is, as an artist, if you're going to do something problematic, you have to make a clear statement condemning it at the same time I feel like kind of diminishes and underestimates the artist and the artist's ability because as viewers that's our job as viewers we're supposed to take in all of this stuff in front of us and analyze it and I know we've had the conversation about um you know looking too deeply into movies and everything like that So a movie like this, I feel like, was made for me to watch, made for me to talk about, because it's made for those of us who do look into movies a little bit more critically. I don't know why I paused. Anyways, so as I was watching the movie, I was just, like, I just had this feeling of, like, yeah, this is terrible, like, this is terribly wrong, this is not good, and... Like, I can't imagine hanging out with a 15-year-old. A lot of people on the internet was talking about how, oh, like, it depicts this age gap relationship and it's just, it romanticizes it and da-da-da-da-da. What, like, does that statement reflect how you were feeling when you were watching the movie? I don't know. I, I feel like part of it is just how you choose to consume a movie. This movie has certain underlying like themes and statements and contexts that if you're not looking closely you'll miss and I don't want to say this and I don't want it to sound like I am supporting um, the subject matter and the way that it was um, depicted in this movie at all I'm not when it comes to art of any kind I'm very in the middle and that might be the only thing in life that I'm very like Switzerland on because art is subjective and that's the hard thing about it. Going back to what I was saying originally, there are certain things, like I, like I stated before, there are certain things that if you, like if it catches your eye, you really have to sit with it for a second and, and you know, consider how it ties into the movie, how it manipulates, you know, what you're watching. So if you really sit back and look at Alana's character, she's constantly in different positions that show her age and power. She's always driving Gary and his friends around. She was the manager to the waterbed business because Gary wasn't old enough to be the manager. I'm guessing. That whole thing was confusing to me, but she still, like, she held a, a position of power over him. 
And she's also just seen as an authority figure in general, which compared to Gary, when Gary is the manager of the pinball palace, no one will listen to him. And people like people just see him as a kid and he has to rely on a lot of on Alana for certain things as well because of her age compared to his. And, you know, seeing this also, there's a moment where somebody asks her how old she is and she says 27. And then when he asks her to repeat herself, she says 25. I'm. It kind of hinted at her lying about her age, which is problematic in itself, because how old are you? Genuinely, like, I just want to know. Right off the bat, I did not feel right about this couple, and it was because I saw myself in Alana in terms of I'm a 22-year-old woman, you know, trying to find myself in this world. But unlike Alana, you won't see me hanging out with somebody younger than 19 years old. 19 is pushing it. Okay, so there's a quote that author Otessa Moshfei, I hope I pronounced that right. She's the author of A Year of Rest and Relaxation. And she was particularly referring to literature, but it just seems relevant to what we're talking about. She said, I wish that future novelists would reject the pressure to write for the betterment of society. Art is not media. A novel is a literary work of art meant to expand consciousness. We need novels that live in an amoral universe past the political agenda described on social media. We have imaginations for a reason. Novels like American Psycho and Lolita did not poison culture. Murderous corporations and exploitive industries did. We need characters and novels to be free to range into dark and wrong. How else will we understand ourselves? And I think that that says the words that I'm unable to because I just I just can't find my own words sometimes. But I do think that especially this being a character study, there is no truly good character in this movie I don't think or you know morally perfect or morally whole person in this movie because each character is made so multifaceted that you're able to look into them and understand why they do certain things and why they act the way they do and I think that's one of my favorite things about this movie now Initially, before I watched the movie, but I still knew about the whole age gap thing, I found it interesting to see a movie about grooming from a woman predator perspective. And now I don't watch too many of these movies. I've seen like Lolita and certain movies where like the entire plot isn't about somebody getting groomed, but like it's still a part of the narrative nonetheless. And I've seen films like that. Um... But to see a movie from the perspective of a woman who's grooming a young child, especially someone who is like close to my age, was interesting in itself. And 
a lot of the storytelling takes place in the dialogue, I feel. The dialogue and um, the reaction shots that are throughout the movie. But one of my favorite conversations that took place was a conversation between Alana and another girl named Frisbee that she used, that she knows. And um, it's the way that Frisbee talks about Gary and how it's completely different from the way that Alana talks about him. So Frisbee kind of talks about Gary as if he's like this um, annoying little kid she used to babysit or like a little brother or something like that. She, you know, she says, oh, I love that kid. Um, You know, he's cute for a little hustler. Does he try to like, you know, does he always ask you to try to get him a hand job? Because like, that's what, that's what like those little pervy, annoying, pester of a teenage boy does like those are the things that are always depicted in those um sitcom shows and everything like that and you know Alana says yeah of course all the time and frisbee's like good i'll pass the baton to you so in this conversation when frisbee refers to him as a little hustler as a kid Alana's like he's also really smart and a good businessman first of all why are you defending him and in that way why man business boy it's a boy (laughs) it's a boy like come on so it's like it's the it's her tone her body language and the words that she uses that shows you like because he seems so mature for his age quote-unquote um she doesn't see him as a boy but then there's also times where she does realize his age and so it's like this seesaw of like going up going down going up going down which is an entertaining point um to make because there's another conversation that takes place it's between the boyfriend of the councilman that she's working for and alana and in that conversation he asks her like oh do you have a boyfriend and she's like yes no i don't know and he was like they're all immature anyways right or something like that there's also a realization with alana because you see her with older men you see her with maybe like one man her actual age and then you see her with younger guys younger boys and yet all of these interactions like they're all immature there's one scene where she is with the actor sean penn who i don't remember his actual character's name right now but he has riled everyone up so that he can reenact a scene from a movie that he shot and he's like on a dirt bike and he's about to drive over flames right and so when he skirts off alana completely flies back and like falls on her head and he just keeps going and then once he does everyone's cheering him on and he continues to go get drunk it's like this man looks 50 years old and he's acting like a frat guy that i knew in college so there's something to be said about the way that every single male character in this movie acts and there's even a moment where gary and his friends this this was kind of like at the end of one scene um that had happened and alana is separate from all of the boys but they're filling up their truck with gas or something and they're using the gas nozzles as if they're penises as any like 
child teenage boy does like they just have this obsession with with penises and she like she looks at them and she watches them and she kind of just has this moment of like wow like this is what i'm doing right now (laughs) and it's after that that she actually starts to work for the councilman in his office and which i'm gonna talk about a little bit later as well because there's more to say about that all in all every male character share that one characteristic trait but everyone in this movie shares another characteristic trait now michael barrett of pop matters put it best and he said it's all around you like those long lines you like to run past or skirt around or those bits of casual racism that some viewers wish to skirt around as too disturbing or the opposite response of ignoring as not important equally unhelpful every scene has shown this message conclusively even characters who know better get seduced by money every single character pursues it they become the allies of shits and indeed get paid to protect coddle or defend the shits which the shits (laughs) equals just the privilege and the power and the entitlement and uh, gary very privileged very entitled and he is very quick to show that in certain points of the movie there's other characters particularly males but there's even some women in the movie who portray the privileged and entitled and uh, everyone around them are still very susceptible to just kind of keeping a closed mouth as long as they're being fed which i know how that sounds but just picture it (laughs) picture it there's a scene where a where a business owner spews like a, a completely racist imitation of a japanese woman his wife his literal wife he mocks her accent as a way of actually speaking to her I don't know if he thinks that that like she's gonna understand him a little bit better or what but he acts as if he's like translating his conversation with someone to her it was very weird and no one calls him out for it no one really points it out at all they just move over it and it's because they're getting his money he's paying for them to have a business he's paying for so the conversation of this racist point um serves the narrative a little bit more than just throwing it in there and that's kind of why i said like you do have to open your eyes and ears a little bit more for a movie like this oh that's not a terribly pretentious oh my god i hated that i'm so sorry ew i just mean to say that instead of looking at it from that particular moment only look at it from the bigger scale of things and you know just just consider it that way at the same time i think that that is one thing on its own paul thomas anderson's response when somebody asked him about it was absolutely terrible he's like oh it's just a sign of the times which i'm sure it is but at the same time, I just, you could have explained it a little bit better. Because you know why you wrote the script that way. So, you know, just enlighten us a little bit further. Because if that's your only excuse, it's a terrible one. 
that's all of my main comments particularly the last thing that i'll kind of like leave off with is that the title itself already kind of leaves a weird taste in your mouth because you're like mm, licorice pizza question mark and so there is a metaphor in there when paul thomas anderson was asked about the title licorice pizza he said that those two words particularly make him kind of have a pavlovian response and memory of being a child and running around it's licorice and pizza but but when you think about the actual idea of like licorice on pizza mm, kind of like how people feel about pineapple on pizza mm. and so i think that there's like that part of you know the childhood naivety of everything which i do talk about in a little bit so stay tuned um but also that kind of like uncomfortability so yeah that is all that i have to say in terms of just general speaking um i would say this movie on goodreads received a three out of five stars from me minus two because of just the you know there's just there's certain things about it that could have been cleared up that could have been approached differently and they weren't and whatnot but of course you can read more about that on my goodreads and see what i mean if you have yet to see the movie and you don't want it to be spoiled now would be the time to hop off of course once you have watched the movie be sure to listen to the rest of this episode because you don't want to miss what i have to say now if you're like me and you don't care about it being spoiled or if you've already seen it don't go anywhere because we're about to get into the nitty gritty of things i've cut back on my likes and my dislikes i try to balance it out a little bit more so i do four likes and four dislikes and so for my first like of this movie i do think that it can spark very helpful conversations based off of character studies i think each character contributes to the cycle and enabling of grooming and that's a very big conversation haver because you know groomers are old enough to know what they're doing is wrong but i feel like it takes the people around them to also kind of be like hey how old are they yeah we need to have a conversation we need to have a little little sit down chat about this and i mean not only just that but also of the racism and the bystander effect and everything like that you know you see someone acting in a very harmful manner with racism misogyny privilege entitlement like call it out you know it's right there in front of you and you can't sit here and complain about something that's always happening if it's right there in your face and the moment that you have to confront it you don't why is that is it because you're afraid of losing whatever status this person gives you which goes back to licorice pizza that's exactly why nobody said anything it was either a because they were used to it or b because they didn't want to ruin any business relationships any relationships where they got something out of it so i think there's a lot of stuff to talk about just in those two realms of you know subject matter i think first of all the biggest enabler was gary's mom it's not like she wasn't there and that's what confused me because he literally works with his mom and yet 
for Thursday, like for for dinner, he would go to this restaurant where he was known on a first name basis. And I mean, Alana's sisters knew who Gary was as if they were like really, really close. And it's just like all the adults in Gary's life failed him. I mean, as you can see, I it's already sparking some discussion because I literally have so much to say on the matter. But we're going to move on because we talk a little bit more about that in depth in a second. Don't you love these little cliffhangers? Like, we're going to get to that. And then you, I mean, you don't just want to leave because you want to know what I'm going to say. So, so now you're just waiting. I really do like the reaction shots in this movie. I think now, like I said, I haven't seen another Paul Thomas Anderson movie except for maybe one, but I couldn't even tell you the name of it. So, but, so this is my very first one where I'm like actually dissecting it and the reaction shots, particularly with Alana, were really, really good in terms of storytelling, but also just contributing more to the narrative. There's a lot of moments where you see Alana's face and her reactions um, to certain stuff when she's at dinner with um, the actor Sean Penn, who, like, that's his actual name. I just can't think of his character's name. But when she's at dinner with him, you, her facial expressions almost kind of, they demonstrate her age gap between her and this actor, right? She has no idea what he's talking about. She's trying to keep up with this conversation, and she just can't. So on her face, she's, you know, trying to to be, like, nice and sweet and pretty. How, you know, exactly how she thinks he wants her to be. Um, but she just, there, it looks like there's no thoughts going on up here. <laughs> up in that dome. Like, she just looks like, she just looks lost. There's another scene where she's at another dinner, but with her, the councilman that she works with and his boyfriend. I think before this, she thinks the councilman is straight. I mean, I did. She thought the councilman was straight. She, I believe she thought that he asked her to go to dinner because he was straight and because he was trying to hit on her. Because she seemed mad excited to be, to, for him to call her up and ask her to come to dinner. She gets there and there's another man there. And through the conversation between the councilman and his boyfriend, you see Alana's face try to piece together what's going on in front of her because it's it's kind of like she stepped in on something so she doesn't even really know what they're referring to but they're starting to get into a heated argument and through the context clues of the conversation it leaves her and the viewer to figure out what we're talking about and so just watching her face as this conversation takes place because you don't see you don't really see like the men's faces you just see Alana's and so watching her like come to a slow realization was very fun to to see. Um, and then as she's talking with Frisbee in the bathroom about Gary and when Frisbee kind of just says like, oh, good, I can finally, you know, I'll pass the baton to you. You also see this facial change or this expression change where she seems to realize that 
she's not so much on this pedestal that she thinks she is. Like, she feels like Gary has put her on this pedestal. She feels special. She feels like she's wanted as well as maybe even needed by Gary. And when Frisbee says this, you kind of see this this thought going on in Alana's head like, oh, wow. It kind of knocked her off. And then she's like, she leaves quickly. She's like, okay, bye, Frisbee. And so then she leaves. And after that, she has this kind of like anger towards Gary after that conversation that you see based off of just the way that they interact. So yeah, Alana's facial expressions were really good. And one thing about it, Alana Heim, this is her first movie that she's ever done. I didn't, I don't listen to Heim like that. Um, I think I might have heard like one song back in 2015, maybe. And I was like, okay, this is good. But like, I don't, I'm not like a diehard fan. I don't search their music up, anything like that. But I'm familiar of who they are. And so when I learned that not only Alana had a starring role in this, but her family in the movie was her exact family in real life. I was like, what is going on? Um, the sisters in Licorice Pizza are her actual sisters who they all have a band together and even her dad, her dad is in the movie and he improvised all of his lines. Um, as a matter of fact, most of the extras in the movie are friends and family of the film production team and the cast and even Paul Thomas Anderson. So that was a cool little, cool little fact. Um... But speaking of Alana, I really do think she's a great character to study. She's a 25-year-old in a place where she should be acting as a mature adult, but she seems to reject it. And she's hanging around teens, which I viewed as kind of like a distraction. Like, it's one thing to reject your aging and your maturing and just like, you know your life plan but it's another to try to convince yourself that you're not as old as you are and I think that's what Alana is doing and she's getting herself into a mess and there comes there's there comes two moments that are very influential in terms of Alana's character development. And so the first moment is when her and Gary are sitting at like some diner, they're reading the newspaper, and the news channel is talking about the um I'm pretty sure it's the oil embargo, which affected gas prices and stuff. And so she turns to him and she's like, do you even understand any of this? Like, do you even know what they're talking about? And he's just like, I mean, I heard them talk about gas. And she just kind of gets very, very frustrated. And in that moment, she witnesses the exact age difference that we've been watching this entire time. And so then you have that moment where she sees the boys just kind of like treating the gas nozzle like a penis. And in those two moments, she kind of has this this epiphany of sorts. And that's when she goes to start working for the councilman. In doing so, she almost gets this sense of entitlement as well, where, you know, 
like her sister called her and was talking about, um, you know, Gary's opening of his pinball palace and how there's going to be Pepsi. And she was like, you're talking about Pepsi when I'm trying to change the world climate or something like that. And it's like, girl, calm down. You're, you're like nothing but above an intern. Like, let's be real here her and gary have a conversation where and he's calling people to ask about pinballs and stuff and this scene takes place after they just shot the councilman's like campaign video or something like that and she goes up to gary and she's like we just filmed a campaign promotion for the councilman who i work for about world change and you're over here talking about pinballs that's all you ever heard was that pinballs are now going to be legal which i did i never knew the pinballs were illegal but okay um and she's just like so then you know he responds to her and she responds back and then like the way that this conversation ends she's like i'm cooler than you never forget that and he's like I don't need you to remind me whether I'm cool or not, old lady. And he's like, huh? Which is so funny. Oh my gosh. But it's just like, you were selling waterbeds with these kids not even a month ago. And you want to all of a sudden act like you're this big shot, like full grown woman with her shit together when you were just hanging out with 15 year olds selling waterbeds yeah no it's it's not pipe down like you've put yourself on a pedestal now that's why i feel alana looks for ways to feel important and that's what she gets from gary until she starts working in the campaign office and then she doesn't she doesn't really need that feeling from him um but i also think her working in the campaign office she thought that you know she was gonna be able to bag a more mature man an actual man but a mature man and even through her interactions there with the councilman and his boyfriend and everything like that she just kind of realizes like they're really all the same which is probably why she ends up running back to gary but I'm like, hello, if they're all the same, why not date a man your age? Why not date a man above the age of 18? If they're all the same anyways. And then you also have like the actual kinds of, I don't want to say like signs, but the actual kind of like stages of grooming or whatnot. When, you know, of course, Alana kind of, I would say... Alana sparked the chase of I'm so much older than you and so then Gary sees it as a challenge and while yes they sit here and agree to be quote-unquote friends Alana being in the place that she's in she's just not she's just not mentally strong enough <laughs> to not succumb to male attention no matter how old it is and so then even when she like tries to badger him and like tell him i'm too old for you you know like why don't you get a girl your age and he finally does she gets jealous and she like tries to 
like manipulate the situation and get them away from each other right and so even through there so you see these you know obvious character flaws some obvious some maybe not so obvious um and it really ties into the character of Alana so well. And then when you also see like her family dynamic, she feels like she's constantly put against her sisters. And we see this mainly in the scene after the dinner when um, she's like on a rant about how they drove her boyfriend or the guy that she was seeing away because he's atheist. And she goes on a tangent, thinking that her sister's looking down at her, even though her sister wasn't even, like, looking in her direction. She's just, like, listening to what she was saying. And it's even in the way that Alana is just acting in that moment that's a little immature. And, you know, she's like, oh, you think you're so much better because you're a real estate agent and you work for mom and dad and you da 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 all, all I do is ever bring home stupid boyfriends, terrible boyfriends after boyfriends. And her sister's like, I don't think that. I've never said that. But she's like, I mean, but if you, if you want to say something, like, yeah, I do agree. Um, and so there's like this self-conscious characteristic about her as well that we see in this family dynamic which then bleeds over into her I don't even want to call it a relationship because it makes me feel icky her friendship with Gary um because we see that she's self-conscious then she's seeking what she's not getting from like her family and and those people that are supposed to validate her she's seeking that from somebody much younger much more immature who's unable to see her her true flaws so we see this like rejection of maturity and her age and her responsibilities and just like where her life is headed in the way that they run literally everywhere if they don't have a car if they're not walking they're running they're running is a representation of youth and naivety but it's also a representation of the rejection of their age and i say there because both gary and alana are um they're both rejecting it in different ways alana doesn't want to grow older she doesn't want these responsibilities she doesn't want to because now that she's a fully grown adult there's a pressure on her there's a pressure to get a you know a full-time sustainable job to you know start looking for a partner to pursue move out of your parents house like all of this stuff i can definitely relate to that aspect of like hey, I'm not quite ready. Like, I know that I'm supposed to be ready, but I'm not quite ready for this. That does not excuse Alana's behaviors at all. I'm just saying, relatable. Whereas Gary doesn't want to be young. He wants to be older and you see that in his ways of you know going to his that restaurant down the street every thursday and the way that he interacts with adults and him wanting to start businesses and um you know flirting with older women convincing older women that he is this hot shot he's so much you know he, he's so much more mature than his age all this other stuff and uh, so they're both kind of 
they're both running in the same direction, but from the same thing of of age and time. I liked how that was set up. And that's just another example of those kind of things where it's like, yes, they're always running. And in movies like this, you kind of have to ask yourself why. Like, I notice that they're doing this a lot. Obviously, they wouldn't be doing it if it didn't have a meaning. So what's the meaning here? But that's all my likes that I have. I want to say, honestly, this is the first movie that I've watched that the plot and the narrative... I'm sticking my thumb down. <laughs> um, but the characters are so strong, and that's, like, my favorite part of the movie. And I'm not really, when it comes to movies particularly, I don't really look much into the characters as much as the narrative and the cinematography. So it's just an interesting turn of events. But now on to my dislikes. I absolutely hated the sisters enabling Alana and Gary, both of them. Um, and I don't know why... If you were to ask Paul Thomas Anderson, he probably would say it's just a sign of the times. But to me, it just frustrates me. There's even a moment when Alana asks her sister, she's like, do you think it's weird that I hang out with Gary and his 15-year-old friends? And her sister's like, no, it can be whatever you think it is, right? And Alana said, well, I think it's weird that I hang out with Gary and his 15-year-old friends. All right, so why do you keep doing it? question mark i just i mean if it looks weird and it acts weird it must be weird and i wouldn't i personally wouldn't want to be around something that i confirm is weird i mean in a negative context but there's that and then at the towards the end where um alana's on the phone with her sister and she's like oh gary just called da 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 and she literally pushes her to go to gary's pinball palace to talk to him and then when gary is looking for alana they're like she's at work go get her as if this is some like tooth early 2000s rom-com where they're running through the airport trying to find each other. No, not at all. So that upset me, but I also know that that just goes into the character study. I just remember feeling like a visceral negative emotion when that happened. I did feel like it's unclear whether certain parts of racism and misogyny were made for laughter or analysis. Even the statement of privilege and entitlement are kind of made without further explanation. This goes with what I was saying earlier. I do wonder if when that character mocks the Japanese accent back to his wife, I do wonder if that was put in for laughter or for commentary. It's a little unclear. And then his, like, that same character later, like, has a different, a different Japanese wife. And so it's just, like, this white man's recycling of Japanese wives as he's opening a Japanese restaurant. And he's mocking the Japanese accent. And it's like, okay, um, what is happening? Um, and even, like, the, the statement of privilege and entitlement. Now... 
I didn't even really see this until I was reading some reviews and I was like, no, that's completely right. Like Gary and his sense of entitlement and privilege were absolutely disgusting. He told Alana, you would still be working for Tiny Toes portrait studio or whatever if it weren't for me huh okay odd thing to say so it's, it's little moments like that where they're so subtle they're so they just creep up on you and it's really it really is left to you to kind of piece it all together and be like oh yeah for my third dislike I felt like the scene with Gary getting arrested does not narratively make sense. Now, the situation itself, the police thinking that he was, you know, somebody's killer or kidnapper or whatever, and then later finding out that it's not, he just looks like the guy or whatever, that makes sense. All right, I'll give it that credit. But to the actual story it was like why is he getting arrested he's at a fair the fair scene was maybe like 20 i won't say 20 seconds i'll say it was a minute or two maybe maybe a little bit longer than a minute but it was it was very very short okay he gets arrested and then nothing else like it's really just, it, it almost kind of seems as like a filler scene or filler situation to drive him and Alana closer, to make Alana realize, okay, I actually care about this kid. And then for Gary to see that, okay, I'm actually kind of like getting this woman to like me. And that's all it really seemed to to do for the story so just the addition doesn't really make sense now if we're talking about the actions of the police in the scene that's another story i would definitely say that that was world building in itself um because well cops in general but cops in california i've heard rumor has it they are terrible and so in the scene, you do see where they don't even read Gary his rides. They don't like nothing. They just kind of take him away. <laughs> they just, you know, they just kind of whisk him away. And he doesn't know what he's getting arrested. Like, he doesn't even know why he's getting arrested. He doesn't know up until they, they like, bring a guy out in handcuffs. And the guy's like, no, that's not him. And then he's released. So that scene just really felt so out of the blue. My final dislike that I have written down is the ending. I felt like the ending is really what ties the ribbon onto this romanticization of a terrible relationship. I mean, it, the ending is really no different from any other standard rom-com, right? But I feel like... Paul Thomas Anderson definitely had an opportunity to make a statement with this narrative, um, depending on how he chose to end it. But he chose to end it like it was love actually. I wasn't even a little. I was very upset with the way this ended because I wanted it to end better. I mean, we all could have... We all could have predicted the ending, but I think we wanted it to end different because of the subject matter and because of the how taboo the relationship really is. 
but yeah i mean i guess that's really all i have to say i do think this movie definitely romanticizes this terrible relationship and the ending is just the proof of the pudding you know up until the ending i didn't really see the romanticization that everyone was talking about right because i was just so kind of enthralled by each character i wasn't even paying attention to that part but at the ending that's when i was like oh my god <laughs> like no wonder these people are talking about romanticization because they really just like it was like adam sandler and drew barrymore like oh gosh wow it, this is a hard movie to recommend because of the subject matter I would definitely recommend this movie as a character study. If you want to better understand yourself, human beings, just the way that people are, character studies are um, very fun to do. Now, I'm not saying to understand yourself, you have to relate to this psychotic character. No, that's not at all what I'm saying. But to look at a character see everything that they have going on and then their actions and it's like okay so they're doing this because of this and they're acting this way because this happened and you know they're acting this way when really all they want is this kind of stuff like that and to look at a character from that standpoint is not to empathize or sympathize with them or anything like that it's really just like a so sociological thing or, or a psychological psychological thing and so that's why like i enjoyed i enjoyed analyzing alana so much because because she was just troubled in very, very different ways. Yeah, the more that was revealed about her, the more that you could piece together, I would say. This is the, okay, this is a very easy analogy that I will relate it to. A movie like this, it's kind of like each person starts out like a puzzle, like a incomplete puzzle piece. And the longer that the movie goes on, the more puzzle pieces that you put together. And then at the end, you finally have a full puzzle, a full character, right? And I think that's what I enjoy about it. And I think in my um, Philosophy of Horror episode, I talk about just like the um, narrative curiosity and how we watch movies because we're curious and because we want to know why and we... And that's particularly for the narrative and for the plot. But in this case, I watch this movie with the curiosity about the characters themselves. And that's what kept me watching. Now, I will say this movie got boring. In about like the middle of it, I would just be stuck. And I, <laughs> I was like, I really don't want to watch this anymore because nothing seemed to be going on like it was just the same thing they would open up one business alana and gary would be you know friends and gary would try to make a pass at her whatever whatever and then they would open up another business which is the second business where did it come from i don't know what happened to the waterbeds i don't know and so it just it became very repetitive but you know reflecting on it 
the one great thing about it is just the you know studying the characters like i've said countless times before um so if you're looking to i would recommend this movie to writers and uh, you know whether that's film writers novel novelists short story writers um poets any creative writer or even like um anyone who is into analysis um even psychology i would recommend this movie or a movie similar to this to those types of people um because studying a movie like this where there are complex characters can help you to build your own characters better it can help you to better understand people because let's be honest there is someone like alana out there there's probably a few alanas out there there's a there's a few gary's out there i mean i say a few but i'm sure there's a lot more than a few um and so studying a character like this can better help you understand um those people and their emotional responses and just like their lifestyles a little bit better if this movie is on a trigger for you i would say watch it for the characters and and also i would say the biggest takeaway is what i was talking about in the beginning in terms of art you know filmmakers do not have that moral obligation to provide us art that is going to make the world better that is an obligation that some artists do take on and you know they sign up for that because that's the type of art they make i took a creative writing class one time and the professor said don't overestimate the way that your readers might perceive your work so don't present too too complex of an idea or a metaphor and just like know that they're gonna understand it right off the bat and so i feel like that's what this movie kind of conflicts with is that paul thomas anderson definitely overestimated his audience and created a movie that um does kind of require a little bit of a bigger shovel for digging yeah i i definitely think that this movie is worthy of a critical analysis and honestly like if i was a, if i was a film teacher or a psychology teacher or a writing teacher oh my god i would love to present this movie and be like all right let's talk about how these characters are bad let's talk about how we should never be like these characters <laughs> um because there is so much to talk about but yeah if you are emotionally mentally available <laughs> i would say to watch this movie i'm in no way like supporting the topic of this movie the subject matter nor am i condoning the way that paul thomas anderson responded to it oh my gosh but that's just that's besides the point it's not besides the point it is the point but i don't want to get off topic i this is a troubling film to watch um depending on the lens that you decide to look at it through but i would say for those of you who are like me who love to you know dissect things get to the bottom of things 
definitely give it a try. Um, but don't push yourself past the limit if it does make you too uncomfortable because there have been people who have, you know, felt uncomfortable by watching this. But that's all I have to say on the film and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will say I I didn't know how to approach it <laughs> um, because of the subject matter and of the controversy. But I don't know. I feel like I did a pretty good job. I feel like, I don't know, I just don't, I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> for like not saying the right thing that that's a little stressful but all in all I you know I've said what I needed to say I hope that it reaches the right audiences and I hope that if you choose to see a movie like this or another character driven movie um that you do take in the characters take in their motives and their actions and their emotional responses and just try to build that puzzle up you know at this point i would hope that you know where to find me but in the case that you don't and you need a refresher you can always find me on instagram at the unbound cinefem pod you can find me on twitter at unbound cinefem and you can find me on letterbox at avery c o f once again thank you for tuning in and i hope to catch you next time